What's better than one John? Here's Johnny. Hmm. Nobody really knows. That's why we put two of them together. This is Kenzano and Wilner, a.k.a. John and John. Hey, I'm John Canzano here with John Wilner. Uh, we will get to the news of the day that we want to talk about in a second. But, Wilner, you, you mentioned to me earlier this week you've got a kid who is leaving elementary school, going into middle school. You talk about those big pivot points in life. Uh, this is a big one for your family and, and for this kid. It is, yes. Uh, he, would, he would say that he is finally getting out of prison uh, by moving on from <laughs> elementary school. <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, it, it's uh, it's a big week, and uh, you know, just I uh, think about all the kids in his situation that are you know in st- were in elementary school, still are during the pandemic, and you know how our schools were shut down for a year, and you know, uh, in in person, and just how that has is is going to be part of their part of their life and and part of their experience, and the impact it's going to have on on all these kids moving forward. So we are. Very, very grateful to have gotten to this point, and he seems to be uh, in in pretty good uh, state of mind and body, and so we're, we're pretty happy. There are big milestones in parenthood. You know, the first day of ki- kindergarten, I remember that being a big deal, the three daughters and uh, one daughter off to college that day that you drop your kid off at college. But something hit me in the last couple of weeks, Wilner, and I wrote about it. Um, it. It was, we took the training wheels off the youngest daughter's bike, and- I don't know how if you taught your kids how to ride bicycles, but in our family, that's my job. My wife does all the other stuff. I, that is my job. I am te- I teach the kids how to ride a bike, and it was surreal to me to to realize like this is my final like youngest daughter, and I had her in the cul-de-sac in the neighborhood, and you know I was running behind the bike, holding the back of the seat, letting her kind of take those first few pedals, and then that moment where you let go. And she realizes, she says, Dad, am I doing it? I'm like, you're doing it. She's like, I'm doing it. I go, you're doing it. Like, it's, it, I had glassy eyes, man. And I, it, I, those milestones are big. And you're going through one with your kid. And I'm sure some of our listeners have had those milestones as well. Yeah. And as you know, I mean, from training wheels off to, to driving is like, it feels like a, a month, right? It's going to be, <laughs> she's going to be driving before you know it. I and, took my daughter's 15, almost 16. I took her driving. Uh, last weekend, you know, in a in a big church parking lot, and and uh, it's something. It, it it it's the the whole concept of the days are slow and the years are fast. I, I am just fascinated by, it and I think it's so true. People used to say that to me, and I would kind of just nod, and I didn't really understand. And but now I do with the with the three daughters yep. and and watching other people go through it, and I I do think it's important to celebrate those moments. You should celebrate break good you know, good grades in your household and kids going from one grade to the next, you know, why not, you know, have a go around the table and fist bump everybody. Um, I'm John Canzano. You can read me at johnconzano.com. Get a paid subscription, get a free subscription. What works for you works for me. John Wilner, you can read him. He's the Bay Area News Group superstar. You can read him at pac12hotline.com. All right, let's take the training wheels off the Pac-12 discussion here, so to speak, Wilner. Um, uh, I report today that the Pac-12 schools have agreed on a grant of rights. Um, the, the contract includes a variety of elements, uh, including what sponsorships the Pac-12 will sell versus what the individual campuses will have control over, the, the rights conference can sell when it comes to media rights or data rights, 
and how revenue will be split among the 10 member schools. This is an important step in the right direction. There's still the media rights piece that is looming, but you need agreement on grant of rights, uh, and the Pac-12 appears to have that. What do you make of this? Yeah, well, good reporting. Uh, you know, I just think the whole thing is interrelated, right? I mean, th- there's no chance that they haven't seen at least initial bids from from partners, potential partners. They're not talking about the grant of rights in a vacuum. They have context on what the the media bids are likely to be like in terms of the money, you know, which uh, which networks, the linear versus streaming streaming component. The select the weekly selection process, the number of night games, the Friday games, they have a good feel for all that because otherwise they, they you know they wouldn't be talking about something like the grant of rights. So it seems to me like it's kind of coming together here, and we could get we could get it resolved. What next few weeks? We there's that June thirtieth deadline for San Diego State's exit fee if that's an issue potentially. So it feels like it's coming together. What do you, what do you think? Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm piecing the pieces of the puzzle together. One, you know, you get agreement on, Hey, what can be sold? What are we selling? And then later you actually get to see the numbers and you agree to the numbers. So I think there are steps here. We have to know, we have to note these are incremental steps, but one of the steps that's intertwined in this that I hadn't really thought about until this week was, you know, who has the signatory authority? when it comes to actually signing a media rights deal or signing a grant of rights. And what I found out is that all the Pac-12 schools are a little bit different. Um, you know, Washington State, Kirk Schultz, they've called a meeting with the regents at Washington State for Friday. A lot of it will be about the budget, but buried in there was, you know, item, you know, action item number four, which essentially gives Schultz the signatory authority to make decisions and sign on deals that are in excess of the $5 million threshold that he has previously been allowed to do. So uh, I did a little bit of reporting and digging around on that front and found out that, you know, what Washington State's trying to do there is trying to avoid having to call a special meeting of the regents, you know, on like June 28th uh, because they need, you know, to somebody to approve of grant of rights or approve a media rights deal. But I think that San Diego State June 30th deadline, we'll get to that, we'll talk to that, and is looming in the background they have to inform the Mountain West Conference if they're going to leave via expansion. But it looks to me like some of this is starting to line up. Um, Wilner, can we, can we back up and talk about revenue sharing? It looks yes. like looks like the grant of rights is going to have equal revenue sharing, but they're going to incentivize the college football playoff revenue sharing, not the NCAA tournament, just the playoff. What do you make of that or unpack that for us? Well, I mean, I've all thought all along that that was a, a very real possibility that the postseason money in some fashion would be based on participation, right? And there is going to be so much money in the playoff that, you know, you could give, uh, let's say, Oregon or Washington or Utah, you know, qualifies, you know, those that just one uh, one game played in that playoff is going to be potentially tens of millions of dollars, depending on how you split it up. The ACC is doing that. I think the ACC's move uh, to to unequal share of postseason revenue, you know, is going to be a model for the Pac-12. It's very possible the Pac-12 had their their agreement for that in place before the ACC announced it. But you know, we're going to see that. And it, is it ideal? 
Probably not, but you got to play the hand you're dealt, right? And if the Pac-12 needs to do this in order to satisfy, you know, enough members to get the grant of rights done, then you do it. But I think long term, we're going to move to that for every conference, right? Uh, I just don't think Ohio State is going to be willing to share share its playoff participation money with Rutgers and Maryland, you know, every year for the next 10, 20 years. We're going to see changes along those lines all across the Power Five to some kind of incentivized revenue plan that is related to the playoff. It looks like, you know, those those playoff berths, I think last year they were worth $6 million per school that gets in. Uh, the new playoff, the expanded playoff, when they get that TV deal done, there's been talk that it could be $18 million, $20 million per berth. Like, this could be huge money. Um, and you're going to reward the schools that are investing in football. I mean, you said it. I mean, the, the schools that are paying for coaches, paying for infrastructure, who are recruiting and have recruiting budgets and make the playoff are going to get a larger share of that distribution. And I think that is super attractive, particularly for Oregon and Washington, who a lot of people had speculated, you know, would have uh, a little bit of uh, hesitation to, to sign a grant of rights. Uh, I'm told by sources at both schools that – they're way on board. Both schools are on board. Um, but I'm wondering about the NCAA tournament units. They're, they're not going to have an incentivized distribution there. It will still be split evenly. How do you think Arizona feels about that, Wilner? Yeah, maybe not great. Uh, but then again, I mean, if you look at the last five years, it's not like Arizona's been ra- raking in the NCAA units. Uh, you know, so I'm not sure... From that standpoint, even though Arizona is a, a terrific program, you know they don't have the recent evidence to kind of or leverage uh, necessarily to to demand something like that. I mean they they made it out of the sweet six uh, to the sweet sixteen once in the last four or five years. They had the NCAA problem. They got upset this year. I mean, you know, if you're looking at a leverage backdrop, this was not a great spring for Arizona to lose to Princeton in the first round, right? Uh, so I can see that, you know, if I'm Arizona, I probably would uh, would prefer something like that. But, you know, Oregon could make the same case because uh, they've had some success in the past. So, you know, we'll see. It's not nearly as much money uh as it is with the football situation right just because of the the nature of the ncaa tournament and how they divide the units you know football is tens of millions of dollars at stake for for a single bid uh you know even if you lose in the in the opening round it's just immense amount of money and and that's not the case with the ncaa's a lot of questions that i've been getting you know people are asking how long will the grant of rights contract be and I'm being told it will be dictated by the length of the yet-to-be-finalized media, media rights deal. Um, yeah, I think that's yeah. over. People are overthinking the length of the grant of rights. I mean, the Big Ten is signed to 2030. The The Big 12, is they're signed to, what, 2031? Pac-12 is going to have something like that. Nobody's doing the 10, 12, 15-year grant of rights deals anymore. That is a, a, a thing of the past. I'm not sure why people are so caught up in – in the in the length i mean the 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 canvas is right there and it's filled in it's going to be six seven eight years and i think i think some of it might be it's just the fear everybody got blindsided when ucla and usc left and i think people are going okay when are you going to go back through this again or when is the next round of expansion or realignment coming and and i think that if you're the pac-12 you want your 
media deal to expire sometime around 2029, 2030. One, to your point, you don't get sort of priced out as these media rights deals escalate and get stuck holding a bad deal for too long like the ACC. Uh, and even the Pac-12, the last deal was just, it was it's too long based upon how these these contracts escalated. It would have been better to go with a five or a seven-year deal. And and I also think if you're the Pac-12, you want to go back to the table in 2029 before the Big Ten goes back to the table. You want to eat again. You do. Well, the other thing is that they can, the, you know, they can include the so-called look-ins, right? Like they could sign a 10-year deal, but there's an option after, say, year seven or year eight to, to renegotiate with the partners. Uh, that that kind of situation could could end up un- unfolding, right? But they're not going to lock everybody in with no escape clause for for ten or twelve years. Uh, I continue to think that the you know th- we're going to have stability for the rest of this decade, and then in the early twenty thirties, everything's going to change again, and that's going to be based on the Big Tens, the expiration of its deal. It's going to be based on the ACC schools rumbling. Uh, and not wanting to to play out the last five six years of their deal, if we're going to have another like you know rupture point or or you know tidal wave of change, at you know in the early twenty thirties. I think it's inevitable. I think everybody in college sports who's who's doing these deals and they, they know that it's just all right. What's the best situation for us for the next six or eight years? I'm John Canzano. You can read me at johnconzano.com. We're with John Wilner, Bay Area News Group. You can find him at pac12hotline.com. Um, what, gonna, hey, yeah. let me ask, what do, you th- what do you make of all the, you know, there have been periods of time over the last 11 months, I mean so many periods of time, where there's been a lot of smoke? You know, what do you make of this latest round of smoke out of, out of Boulder with the Big 12? I, it was interesting because you had this, this regents meeting in you know with the Colorado writ was scheduled and immediately I think uh, I think we have some confirmation bias going on. There are some people who I think are hopeful that Colorado is headed to the Big Twelve uh, and are hoping and wishing who see something like that and they go oh this is they're they're holding a meeting and look the agenda item says that you know it's going to be uh, an athletics matter at CU Boulder and they jump to the conclusion that that means that they're discussing you know Colorado leaving. Well I. I immediately poked around and found out from an involved source that that agenda item was an update on the Pac-12 media rights negotiations, and which you can understand. And now they've called subsequently, Wilner, another meeting for this Friday. Now, it could be about the trustee or the treasurer position, or it could be you know just another informational meeting. They could be giving the chancellor at Colorado that signatory a- a- approval. Like, let's let's just step back a little bit and look at what factually we have seen happen in the last nine months ucla and usc left a bunch of clamoring everybody hiring uh you know back channeling and hiring a bunch of consultants to try to see where they fit nobody else leaves uh nowhere for oregon to go nowhere for washington to go um you know a whole bunch of smoke and rick george and uh, the colorado ad coming out saying you know why would we leave a 10-team conference to go to a 16-team conference Makes no sense. Playoff matters to them. Rob Mullins telling me that the playoff access matters to Oregon. On the record, Robert Robbins, the president at Arizona, coming out. The Utah president coming out. Washington State's president uh, speaking on the record. Oregon State's president. Like, factual things that have happened here all point towards the Pac-12 staying together, 
you know, uh, exploring their best options, doing what's best for each school, but nobody really saying publicly we are going anywhere else. And so I think that what we've seen with the smoke in the last couple of weeks is probably Colorado trying to placate those on campus, including Coach Prime, I believe, who would yeah, like— Yeah, it could be. I mean, yeah. who knows what's going to happen, but I do know that the Colorado Regents meet if they've got to change a toilet in the men's room— Folsom Field. That they meet all the time. That that is that every board of regents is different depending on the state. Colorado's uh, is very involved, and they've got a few regents even that like will refuse to approve any coach's contract out of principle. So certainly got to keep that that background in mind. I I do wonder about the Dion thing. It's I mean obviously he wants Texas is a big part of his plans in terms of recruiting, but man. If you're Colorado, you got to take a broader view than what Dion wants because Dion is going to be. There's a good chance Dion is going to be out of there in three or four years, right? And and you're you have to pick your conference based on what's best for your school institutionally. And there, you know, just one piece for people to consider when they're trying to think about what Colorado might do: the overwhelming number of out-of-state tuition students. Uh, full tuition are from California that go to Colorado. Overwhel- highest percentage by far of out-of-state students attending Boulder are from California. Uh, and, and that out-of-state full tuition, that is important for your institution. And I th- that's that was one reason they joined the Pac-12 originally. And so that's just one of the many things that I'm sure they are considering. But but it's a, you know it's a complicated calculation. And uh, I think it's it's more it's got to be more than what Dion wants for his next few recruiting classes. That said, Rick George, he's the son of a, uh, a, a you know a guy who worked on the in the slaughterhouse on the kill floor. Uh, Rick George is very diplomatic and he's smart, and so I think even though he probably will take a long view and do what's right for Colorado, not what's right for Coach Prime, I think in the short term. I think his comments, he very much walked this. And I, I read it as he's trying to placate everybody. The decision will be what's best for Colorado, not what's best for the football program or Coach Prime. And But ultimately, in the short term, I think he gives the impression that they're at least exploring it and doing their diligence, which he should do. All the schools should do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's taken 11 months. You got to do you got to you got to do your due diligence. No question about that. Uh, and everybody's done it. All right, I want right. to ask you. I want to ask you something. You know, San Diego State's timeline is interesting. The the Aztecs, if they want to join the Pac-12 for 2024, they'll have till June 30th to inform the Mountain West Conference they're leaving. If they miss the deadline, the 17 million dollar exit fee from the Mountain West Conference doubles, 34 million. I have a Pac-12 source telling me, "quote We can't really control their deadline. Need to get our deals done so we can tell them what they get." But I also feel that there there's a little urgency going on in the background of this. What do you make of where San Diego State fits in this story right now? You know, it's interesting. My my view has changed a little bit because I, I don't know. You know, San Diego State. What are their what are their real options? Right. I mean, their options are to come in either whether it's the Big Twelve or the Pac twelve. They're they're coming in at a reduced share if they do. Right now, does that mean they're twenty five percent? revenue for the first couple of years and then it you know ladders up to 100 eventually i don't know but you know they don't 
I've never thought they were a great fit for the Big 12. Uh, and certainly, uh, to me, they it's really about the Pac-12. I don't know if it's a Pac-12 or bust for them, but I think the Pac-12 is by far their number one preference. Uh, and in some regards, their only good option so they would have to, you know, they'd have to make it work, right? If if the Pac-12 doesn't make an offer until July or August, and and it's it's more, uh, you know, it's more money for the for the exit fee, they're gonna have to figure that out, right? I mean, this the CSU system should help help. It would be such a great deal for the California State University. They should fit the bill if if it goes up. That's that's kind of my opinion because to have one of their campuses associated with Cal and Stanford in the Pac-12 would be a huge, huge deal for the, for that system. I think San Diego State's being really patient here, and the fan base is being patient. Like, you know, I, I, it's really interesting to kind of watch this unfold. And I think, you know, they're being told, I know that they're being told by the Pac-12 that the conference feels good about the media deal that's coming down the pipeline and is just trying to wrap things up. But I keep wondering, would San Diego State, do you think there's a possibility that San Diego State could inform the Mountain West Conference that they are leaving on June 30th? even if the Pac-12 doesn't have a deal fully completed. If they have, let's say the Pac-12 tells San Diego State, look, we're going to expand. We want you in. We don't have the full details. Take our word for it. Do you think that San Diego State should be willing to do that? Or do you pump the brakes a little bit if you're San Diego State? Boy, that's a risk. I mean, I guess you could come, you could kind of come back on your hands and knees in, in, into the Mountain West, but there would be some kind of major penalty for something like that, I would think. I don't know. It depends what the Pac-12 knows and what they've seen, right? And to me, it gets that that it all gets back to what do they know, and what what have they seen in terms of the bids, right? I think, and this is just my hunch. I'm just sketching out the last few months here and see if you agree. This is just all my conjecture based on you know scraps of food left on the trail. I think if you think back to February and March, and it felt like. There was a lot of unease, right? And then you had all those presidents come out and say, well, we think there's going to be a deal done sometime in March or early April. I think that there was. I think that they got the bids in that time frame, whether it was the end of February or mm -hmm. sometime in March. The conference, Commissioner George Klyakov, he saw the bids from their partners because since then, it has been very calm, very calm. And so I think he's got – you know, not official bids, not final bids, but he's seen the framework of a deal and he has taken that to the presidents and that was used for them to form, you know, the basis for that grant of rights that, that you reported on. And now they're just sitting there and they know basically what they're going to get. And they're just waiting for the official offer to come. Now, whether that comes before June 30th or not, I don't know, but it, to me, the, the, you know, it has just been much more calm, and I think that that coincides with them seeing initial bids sometime during the spring and the presidents being satisfied that they were going to get a good deal, and now they've moved forward, and all they got to do is wait for the wait for the final offer, come in, and it's going to resemble what they've talked about informally, and they're going to sign that thing uh and move on i think that, that to me that feels like what's happening in the background because we know stuff's been happening in the background and no but nobody knows about it right because they've kept such a tight lid on it yeah and i think that fits too because if you remember it was late february 
and then into early March, and I can remember the first week of March talking with a member of the Pac-12 CEO group who told me that first week of March that they were confident that they would either be in range or be in excess of $31.6 million uh, per school annually in distributions. That's the Big 12's number. They were confident or that they would be in range or beat that number. And that was the first week of March. That's the first time I heard that. I have subsequently heard that again and again and again. And I think you're right there. It also kind of fits because you remember George Klyovkov showed up at SMU in, I believe it was in February. And so I think the meteorite stuff was obviously priority one. But expansion was supposed to come shortly after that. And I am still wrestling with why Klyovkov allowed himself to be viewed at SMU. Do you have a theory on that? Like, was that negotiating? Was he trying to show the Big 12 he was in their footprint? Was was that just something that got out and the Pac-12's not happy with it? What's your theory on why he, you know, show, even though the reports were out there, he still went to the basketball game. He was very visible. Yeah, he was. I, I think that th- that was leaked by SMU, and I think that the Pac-12 was not happy about it. They managed to keep, I'm sure he's he's, at some point, he's probably toward San Diego State and probably a couple others, right? Uh, I just think they weren't happy about it. But at the same time, he was decided, you know, the news is out. I'm not going to. I'm not going to change my my plans, but uh, I, I got the distinct sense that they were they were very disappointed that uh, SMU leaked that. Wilner, a uh, couple other things here is as we watch the Pac-12 uh, look like they're moving towards a deal, or at least moving, you know, they're they're moving down the field here. It, it's interesting to me to kind of watch Stanford, Oregon. Oregon doesn't have a, a president right now. John Carl Schultz will take office on July 1. I'm kind of wondering, Stanford's a private school. Oregon doesn't has an interim president. Oregon State has a new president. Uh, they're, they're very different, these entities. It's interesting to me that the grant of rights, they seem to be on the same page with the grant of rights, moving in the same direction. But I am really curious to see how this all comes together. Bob Thompson, our friend who's been on the podcast twice, um, told me today that I asked him, how did this happen back in the day? What do you remember of the 11th hour? And he said basically that Fox told the conference that they were responsible for acquiring the necessary grant of rights approvals from the schools. And then the schools had to represent that they had those approvals. He said he had no idea how and it all came together on the Pac-12 side. So very much feels like the activity right now is on the Pac-12 side. Yeah, I think that, the you know, the, the very likely that the Networks have offered their their bid, submitted their bids, right? They're in at least their initial bids, and there's some kind of agreement. and And now it's just waiting to see if if and when the the final offers come in. And you know, so obviously things can change until they have signed. There is, you know, anything can happen, right? That's why I, that's why I still, you know, I think you have to be a little bit skeptical because until there's a 10 signa- uh, signatures on that grant of rights, they don't, there's, you know, we don't know what's going to happen, but it just, it feels like it's all coming together. And don't you think that it needs to come together if not by June 30th, then by July, what is it? 21st is Pac-12 football media day in Las Vegas. I mean, can you imagine if it's still up in the air at that point? No, I think the big 10 deal, I think we've talked about this, you know, the big 10, I think was it 11 months remaining on their current deal when they announced their new yeah. deal? Yeah, 10 and a half. All yep. right, 10 and a half. So that would put the Pac-12 
right around uh, June 21st to July 15th to be at 11 months, you know, right in there, 11 months and change. So I, you know, I, I think the Pac-12, you know, look, last November I said maybe Thanksgiving. Then I said Christmas, maybe Christmas. Then I said March. Yeah, you know, so I'm reluctant. Like they appear to be moving at their own pace, and they appear to be galvanized and confident with what they have. I think you're right about February and March. They must have seen numbers at that point, and I think that probably helps explain why some of the presidents went public. But I'm hesitant to put a date on it. Like you know, I've been wrong before about the dates, but I can tell. I can tell right now. It just feels as though they are moving down the stretch, and they're moving as a block of ten right now. Yeah, the date. The date thing too, though. I mean, it wasn't just you and I and other reporters speculating in the spring, right? The president, there were several presidents on record saying, you know, we think it's going to happen in March, early April. And again, they had, there had to be a reason for them to say that, right? They're getting their talking points from the conference office at, when they go public, right? I mean, very rare is it that a president is going to agree to do an interview uh, and not alert the conference office about this stuff, right? So they get briefed on the situation. They go public. I think that there was reason to believe that they they either were going to get bids or did get bids sometime in that March window, anywhere from late February to early April. But the the, the sticking point was the the partners weren't ready to either the partners weren't ready to announce or there was some. Some details they're still working on. I mean, who knows? They could have the the financial piece all done, and they could be haggling over, you know, how many Friday night games there are, or they could be haggling over which network gets the first pick in week two. Right? We don't know exactly what the holdup is, but it doesn't necessarily just because there is a holdup doesn't mean that they haven't agreed to the framework on on the financial piece. I'm John Canzano, JohnCanzano.com, with John Wilner. Pac12hotline.com. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Give us some feedback. Share it with your friends and family. Uh, congrats to your kid, Wilner. Will you guys be doing a big party, big celebration? Do they have a graduation ceremony, or is it just kind of, hey, he's moving from elementary school to middle school? No, they have a little, they call it promotion. It's like, uh, hopefully it's an only only an hour-long ceremony tomorrow morning. It could be longer, but uh, yeah, all, the fifth graders are all there, and they get together and. uh uh, courtyard and they have a, a little ceremony and then we check him out of school and he is done and he'll be very happy That's, escape yeah. he, you know yeah. I, he he has not seen the movie but he feels like tim robbins crawling through the sewer of you know what to get out of shawshank <laughs> that is if you asked him to describe the situation it would seem like that's what he's had to do is crawl through i don't remember the exact line call through a mile of you know what uh and then he's gonna be tomorrow morning when he gets done he's gonna be looking up into the rain uh it's it's gonna be a very shawshank moment for him wilner you're the best i appreciate you congrats <laughs> to your kid the shawshank uh, get busy living or get busy dying. That's uh, right. That's, that's right. That's what it's about. He, he is uh, he is John Canzano, johncanzano.com. I am John Wilner, Bay Area News Group, Pac-12 Hotline. Thanks, everybody, for joining us very much. We appreciate all your support. You got any uh, any final words of wisdom here? No, man. I just think for everybody out there who is uh, graduating a kid or dropping a kid off next uh, fall at college or seeing a kid make a transition, don't be afraid to celebrate in your family. I'm not big on participation awards. 
but I think you should we we should all be celebrating those those moments and they're big moments, man. And and it you know it goes fast. I'm running behind a kid's bike. Two days later, I'm you know I'm worried about her falling over. Two days later, she's you know riding that bike in circles, and I'm like, my work is done. She doesn't need me anymore. So it happens yep. to all of us. Does indeed. Thanks. Thanks everybody.